Um, although, Jennifer, I think we should have a special prayer meeting for Brian because he rubbed it in so much about beaches and 30 degrees. Uh, some of us need to adjust to forgiving him for that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he should return. My name is Ward Cowie, and my wife Jane is here, and we've been attending here at White Rock since September. And we're going to be looking this morning at what we've just been singing. Uh, the story of the Magi. And, uh, oh good, Elaine didn't leave, and I, even though I promised no jokes. That's good. Now, in the beginning of December, Brian explained to us a Latin word, um, and the word is advent, which literally means coming towards. And that's part of the Christmas season. So I take permission from that to give you another word, and that would be epiphany, and that's the Sunday, which means light coming upon, uh, and includes the idea of supernatural revelations or insights. Now, as Christians, we look to three sources, primary sources, for epiphanies, revelations. Um, and on this first slide, you'll see what they are. Right over here, preach the word in this uh, that we see every Sunday is the first place we go to look for an epiphany, for a revelation, and that is from the scriptures. That's our place to be looking for that. Ah, yes, this is the mic that has problems with the antenna. So we'll keep, it's, I think we're doing all right. So I may fade in and out, and that little jar might wake some of you. That's all right. So, Scripture is the primary place that we go not just for information, by the way, but for transformation, where we're looking for God to speak into our lives in new ways. But I think down underneath, preach the word, we might add communications from the Holy Spirit, those moments in nature, uh, those moments in a direct kind of way when the Spirit speaks to us. And those, when we're thinking we're getting that, we need to test them against Scripture. But also down below, we could put words from other people of faith. Now, the man in the picture is named Samir. He's an Arab Christian, and he has a jewelry shop in the old city of Jerusalem. visited there in 2015. And um, Samir uh, is an Arab Christian, and the first time that Jane and I walked into his jewelry shop, he looked at my wife and said, oh, your name is Jane. And he looked at me and said, and you're a pastor, which I was active pastoring at that time. And I said to him, Samir, how did you know? And he just pointed to heaven with a big smile and then proceeded to make me the, the strongest tur Turkish coffee you can ever imagine. <laughs> now today is Epiphany Sunday. And by the way, Jane said that uh, even CBC Radio this morning were acknowledging that. Should I shift to the other mic? Yes. Try this. Ah, there. Now I won't disappear on you. Even this morning on CBC, they identified uh, that this is Epiphany Sunday, which is always every year January the 6th. 
And on Epiphany Sunday, uh, we remember various things. But did you know that in earlier years, centuries, this Sunday was considered more important than Christmas Day? December the 25th has taken over. But Epiphany is this Sunday 12 days after Christmas when we remember three primary biblical stories. And they're listed on this next slide. We remember that the Magi arrive in Bethlehem. Now, I know that when we have a children's program, we have to have uh, have the wise men show up at the same time. And so some of you are disappointed that I don't have them on December 25th. But odds are good, if you look at the text, that they arrive later than the shepherds. You'll get over it. Um, Epiphany also remembers the coming of the Spirit on Jesus um, at his baptism. That's another text that we could have considered this morning. Or that initial kind of first sign revelation that the disciples get in John chapter 2 when Jesus turns the water into wine at the wedding of, in Cana of Galilee. Now this morning, we're doing the Magi. But please notice, how many days has it been since December the 25th? Twelve. Twelve days of Christmas. Have you ever heard of that phrase before? There's a woman named Carol Bonomo who explains uh, this to us in a way that we Baptists probably need to figure out a little bit more. This woman says um, she met a woman named Maria. Maria loved Epiphany. I never heard of anybody who loved Epiphany before. I guess she was a Baptist. Or who even knew that it was different than Christmas. But Maria's family was Mexican. See, we put up the stable in Advent, she said, but we leave baby Jesus in the box until Christmas Day because that's what we're doing in Advent, waiting for Jesus to come. So it's just Mary and Joseph and the animals and the angels. On Christmas, we put baby Jesus in the manger, shepherds outside to pray, but we put the magi on the top of the stairs. Every day, one of the kids moves the kings down one or two stairs, getting closer and closer to the manger while they followed the star. Finally, on January the 6th, the Magi arrive at the manger. We all give each other gifts to celebrate, and then everybody goes home till the next week. So you can see that, in, that the Mexican culture has got this figured out in some ways better than we have. And um, this morning, I thought it would be good for us to invite some of these other kinds of magi to join us this morning. And I see that they have now arrived. And uh, so in order that we experience their gifts, they're going to come down to the front as we remember the contents of that song that you've now hopefully started to figure out, The Twelve Days of Christmas. So step one was a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, Can you move a little faster next time? Uh, Two turtle doves, three French hens, four calling birds, five golden rings, six geese a-laying, seven swans a-swimming, eight maids a-milking, nine ladies dancing, ten lords a-leaping, 
11 pipers piping and 12 drummers drumming. Who knows what any of that really is about? I certainly don't. But uh, I want to remind you that the Magi were foreigners, probably from Iraq or Iran. The term Magi is where we get the word magician. And in the Old Testament, they were excluded from the people of God. And yet Matthew, in the story we're about to read, includes them. And guess what that means? We're included as well. Now, I had to bring in three of the scruffy magi because the regular ones with the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh weren't around. Um, I found the the one that had the great beard, and uh, we've brought in a special uh, woman from Ireland who is a druid. By the way, the druid women were wise women. If if they'd been coming from Ireland, it could well have included a woman. And then some old guy. Anyways, (laughs) so we want to welcome you to White Rock Baptist Church. And if you would come down here now, I'd like to give you a Get Connected card because Matthew (laughs) couldn't be here to provide it for you. One for you. We're delighted you're here from Ireland. Could you get rid of the old guy? Um, No? All right. And now if you'd go out to the back, they'll sign you up. Well, enough on the background of Epiphany. Um, By the way, there's lots of information in Matthew chapter 2, which we're about to read, about the Magi that would leave us very curious. And Jennifer, when she was talking about the Magi at the Blue Christmas, um, identified several, a long list of those things that we don't have answers to, and you can catch that on the video. So here we are, Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 1 to 12, and I'm going to use the ESV. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, that's why I like the ESV. They leave in the beholds. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, in the original, it's just magi. There's no men. Um, It is in the masculine, that particular word, but it is a bit ambiguous. Wise men, magi, from the east. Where, in particular? We're not really sure, but probably somewhere in the realms of Iraq saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. This is the only dialogue we get from the Magi. It's all they say in the story. But they're telling the folks in Jerusalem that they have come to worship a new king. Now, it makes sense that they would stop in Jerusalem because that's capital city. It's where you would expect to find a new king. When Herod heard this, he was troubled. That word is a word that's used in the garden. It's used in other places. It's a very strong verb, deeply distressed. And all Jerusalem with him. Why? Because Herod was so brutal that he didn't mind killing his own family. If he's troubled, there's trouble for everybody. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, 
And now, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And here we're going to be quoting from Micah chapter 5. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It's often been pointed out that the sad moment here is that the scribes and priests in Jerusalem, who are only about 10K away from Bethlehem, quote the scripture accurately, preach the word, but they don't themselves follow through to try and find this king. And so it's a sad moment in terms of an epiphany for them that's lost. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he said to them in Bethlehem, he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Of course, this is horrible deception that will lead later in Matthew 2 to murder. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, yes, it's there again in the ESV, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Now, if the star had been directing them to the east, it's just made a left turn and gone south. So lest you think this is normal astronomy, something extra is going on. And when they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, if that verse sounds awkward to you, well, it probably does, but Matthew's excited here about the report. He's trying to communicate with these piled-on words how much joy the wise men are experiencing. And did you notice, here's another Magi mystery, they haven't yet seen the child. They know they're now arriving in the right spot, but something strong and wonderful by the Spirit is going on in these magi. And just getting to the right place has filled them with gigantic joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And of course, that's why we've come up with three magi, because of three gifts. But there's another epiphany in the story in this verse 12. And being warned in a dream, just like Joseph had been directed by dreams in the first chapter of Matthew, now the magi are as well. They've been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, who would likely have killed them. And they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray for a moment about how now to take this text about foreigners finding Jesus into our lives. Heavenly Father, we're the foreigners in this story as well, no matter where we've come from. And so we pray now that on this Epiphany Sunday, you would take us into this text that is still Holy Scripture, even though it's so familiar, 
and speak to us again. Give us another epiphany. For we ask it in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. When Jane and I traveled Israel in 2015, which I've already mentioned, I was hoping for a Christmas epiphany. Because I remember we were going to some of the sites. So one day, um, with Rob and Bonnie Ogilvie, who happened to be in Israel at the same time, we took the bus to Bethlehem. It's a short ride, even though you have to go through security checkpoints and change buses and all kinds of things. But I have to tell you that I was quite disappointed with Bethlehem. Very disappointed with Bethlehem. I wanted an epiphany, and instead I got a tourist mob. What you can see on my pictures really doesn't give you the idea of when, you, when we're all squeezed in with a group of tourists down through a narrow doorway to get into what would be, I guess, the idea of a cave. And there's a tiny little spot in the floor and a caged-in manger and a security guard who's heavenly armed and telling you to move faster. The only good memory I have of that moment was a, a delightful young Filipino man behind me who looked at my age and pushed me forward to get the old guy through faster. He was just trying to be kind. And so I left Bethlehem with some good memories, but not an epiphany. There was no moment where the Holy Spirit arrived and did something special. I didn't even know what I was looking for, but I thought, I want to hear something from the Lord. Now, I just needed to wait a bit longer, as it turned out. Because next we made the trip to Nazareth. Much longer bus ride, heading north. And once we were in the city which, by the way, is a very heavily Muslim city now, um, we entered the Basilica of the Annunciation. There will be a test on that later to see if you can remember that name. The Basilica of the Annunciation. And, of course, the Annunciation is the spot, or at least very close to the spot, where the angel Gabriel told the Virgin Mary that she would bear the Messiah by the Holy Spirit. We read Luke's Gospel to find that information. Down in the underground center of this large church is a small grotto, not unlike the one in Bethlehem. And it's there to remember Mary's moment. Long, nine months before, she will bear the Christ child. And on this next slide, you will see a small altar. And as I read the Latin inscription on the small altar, which you won't be able to read, which reads, Verbum caro, hic factum est. Suddenly, the Christmas epiphany I was waiting for came. And it came because I have enough high school Latin to realize that this church had added an extra word to that inscription. You see, the Latin should simply read verbum caro 
factum est. And they've put in hic, H-I-C. And simply translated, their altar reads, the word became flesh here. Hic. That's what the Latin word means. I read that little word. And suddenly I was overcome with a deep sense of the Lord's presence with me. I thought, maybe it's right on that spot. Maybe it's a mile away. But I have come to the geography where God the Son, in all humility, entered this world. I did receive a Christmas epiphany, and I'll never forget it. Three letters. Here. Heek. Matthew tells us that the Magi, foreigners, because we all are in this story unless we come this morning with a Jewish background, were outside the people of Israel, but they received a powerful epiphany that left them overwhelmed with joy. Remember in verse 10, you can't find enough joy words to pack on. And it led these foreigners to a whole new level of worship. What do we learn from Matthew 2? Well, I think we can take away four lessons this morning about epiphanies. This text affirms our desires for more supernatural encounters. When that's something that is in your heart and mind, that we want to hear more from the supernatural and visible realm through what the Irish would call a thin place, it's affirmed. It's in the stories. Now, in those days that we no longer have that desire, by the way, our souls may be too dry or satisfied with too little. And Ferris led us with a perfect song already, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Maybe that's what we'd need to be singing if we're not still hungry for epiphany. And second, it confirms that the Lord, our Lord, wants to reveal more of himself and his kingdom to us. And surely that will change what happens here on a Sunday morning and elsewhere. Third, the Magi story and mine, not inspired, but nevertheless still very important to me, remind us the Lord will always control the place and the timing of these special moments. In other words, epiphanies don't happen on demand. They happen when the Lord decides we need them. The Magi expected to find the king in Jerusalem, but needed to travel 10 kilometers further south. And fourth and finally, all these stories in Scripture point us to the ultimate epiphany, which is the other side of this church which says his coming is as certain as the dawn. That, brothers and sisters in Christ, is the ultimate epiphany when we will see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. 
And part of why we're hungry now for more is because we know we will not be complete until we see him face to face. But in the meantime, epiphanies. And this table is often a place where they happen if we're paying attention. Maybe this morning we can say that what it says in the front of this table instead is, this do in remembrance of me, heek. Here. This morning. This do in remembrance of me, heek. May you take great encouragement from the Magi story for the rest of this year and be encouraged about how much God wants to reveal. And now hear a prayer from Ruth Haley Barton for this design for this epiphany. Let's pray together. And so we pray, Lord, help us to journey with you even in imperfection. Help us to recognize the light of your star rising to give us guidance. As we come to the end of Christmas and enter into this season of revelation, help us to do so with eyes lifted up, looking for your presence in all the places where we expect you and all the places we don't. Make our faces a radiant reflection of your light even in the darkest places. Give us the courage to take the perilous journey that is ours to take. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Lord, as we come now to this table of remembrance, may it also be a place of heek. We pray this in the name of the risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ.